don't know. What I tell people see me, but they just don't know. People see me, but they just don't know. Barnes, and we have to my immediate right or left. Uh, my name is John Sam. Mm-hmm. My name is Jose Lito, aka, AKA Papi Chudo, aka, AKA Cola Champagne Papi, aka, AKA Papi Two Times, aka, AKA The Bronx is in the building, aka Jose Olivares. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Poetry yeah. Gods. Yo. Yeah, the Bronx was in the building, but Chicago wasn't in the building. Oh, yeah. hey, listen, that's not different. Chicago's in the building because Chicago is always in the building. You know what I mean? Oh it's unwritten. Goodness. I don't have to say it. It's just always present. You know what I yeah. mean? Shout out to Chicago. Okay. Because the Bronx, they called you a suburb Ooh. already of Chicago. I feel the Bronx. <laughs> not of New York. He called you a suburb of Chicago. Why do we have to continue to talk about Simply because it's very funny. <laughs> 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 I, Dr. Hip Hop was born in you, but yeah. you're a suburb of Chicago. Listen, I, like, I don't take it back. There's a lot of, I mean, people in New York are a little hurt, but uh, I really love New York. It's my favorite suburb of Chicago, you know what I'm saying? In, That's in a compliment. Any case, That's in a compliment. Any case, What's up, everybody? We are very blessed today to have with us. Uh, earlier we had Hanif, and today, right now, we have the one and only. And um, only. The yeah. true God, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Gene Amberley. It's an ultimate pleasure and blessing. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Word. And uh, before we get into that, we're going to play uh, a round of our favorite <laughs> segment, a.k.a. Uh, what's, what's on your, your mind? mind? Jose, please tell us what is on your mind. All right, y'all. So um, I'm thinking a lot about my irrational love of sports in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In between, so people don't know, but we recorded this podcast on the same day and right after we just recorded episode four. So I, in between the episodes, I checked to see if the Chicago Bulls won, and they did. And I felt hey. an immediate burst of happiness, you know wow. what I mean? Uh, but of course, we just got done talking about, you know... All of the agony that goes along with rooting for teams. <laughs> and certainly the Chicago Bulls, since Michael Jordan left, have uh, caused me a lot of agony. Um, and so I'm just I'm just thinking about sports. I'm thinking about Twitter. I'm thinking about how captivated I am by worlds that are not necessarily all the way re- real. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, totally. But also, I'm very happy that the Bulls won. They beat the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Shout out to Detroit. Y'all are also a suburb of Chicago. <laughs> Yeah, I said it. You know what I'm saying? Come at me on Twitter all day. Here's What's the up? Thing, Chicago yo. Bulls. But here's the thing, fam. I'm worried, y'all. We're, we're a young podcast, now I'm saying? We're young in, in reality. Yeah. And there's going to be whole cities of people 
coming after us. All right, well, all right. you should know as cities, if you're a city that's not Chicago, Aziz and I, we have your back. <laughs> yeah, true. Also, you, know? you should know that. And usually any. And we love Chicago. I mean, I think we love Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. I love oh, Chicago. This just in, Aziz has never been to Chicago. So, if you want to show me what it's about, Jose, you know, you're going to have to show me a big So, time. University of Chicago, you hey. need to invite Aziza to read. Sure do. Young Chicago authors, you should probably holler at Aziza to put on a special <laughs> event. Real talk. Uh, you know, the Green Mill, the birthplace of the Poetry Slam. Indeed. Uh, you know, get Aziza in there. I'm really loving to this To curate promo, your bro. programming. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I really want to go to Chicago. This is lit. Also, those places should invite John and I to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's also we should, true. You should bring out all the poetry guys. <laughs> we could do a reading in Chicago, and I could talk more shit about other cities. Yeah. I will not be talking shit about the other cities, but I will be in Chicago, hopefully. But you will that be in be Chicago. Good. That's important. That would be good. I agree. Hey, John, what's on your mind? So... This is on the tail end of a of a big weekend. You know, my my partner and I, we just for the first time in probably, I don't know, three months, didn't have a visitor. I you know, I didn't have work. She didn't have work. And we just spent one weekend where we didn't have to do anything. Awesome. And it was beautiful. And not just like flowers and roses, like we fought a couple times. Mm-hmm. We resolved a couple times. Mm-hmm. We like <laughs> You know, like, we just really loved each other and spent time kind of being in, in that moment. And I and that kind of comes on the tail end. I was listening to a podcast uh, today about that, that's, uh, you know, about, you know, about starting your own businesses mm-hmm. and looking into business owners who are starting their own businesses and kind of what that madness is to invest yourself in a project and how to balance everything you leave behind when you take on priorities that are so large. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm just, honestly, yeah. I'm just coming off a good weekend, <laughs> and I'm wondering how it took me, how it took us three months. Like, we lived together. It shouldn't be three months before we have a weekend like this, but it was, you yeah. know? Like, busy schedules, what they are, it was three months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's wild to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just thinking about how many hours there are in the day mm-hmm. and about how if you give your weekend to one thing, then you're not giving it to this other thing. If you give your day to one thing, then you're not giving it to this other thing. Truly. And that's okay. That doesn't have to be bad news. But it is real. It is happening, you know? Truly. So I'm kind of picturing my energy as a pie where I think as when I was younger, I kind of just floated through and gave it all out and maybe did that subconsciously mm. but now I'm thinking if I need to regulate it consciously or if I don't uh, because I had a great because you know the people at home I had a great weekend hey man and I feel good hey. about it I watched The Revenant mm-hmm. which if you've been listening you know nobody <laughs> liked but still a good you know still a Not good memory right we watched a movie called Strictly Ballroom. I love that movie. Oh, you've seen it, I Strictly love Ballroom. It. Well, I also just love any instance of dance within a movie. I mean, you know what I mean? So, like, that got me. Aziza, what's on your mind? <laughs> All right, so what's on my mind is, um, apart from, you know, great friends, great food, great drink, and whatnot, and all the, all the beautiful things I love, on the, on the topic of great drink, I found an article today in Town and Country magazine that uh, supposes that drinking at least three glasses of champagne a day 
uh, will, you know, help prevent Alzheimer's, another degenerative mental, you know, disease. And I love this, so I post this on Facebook, and I've checked it, and I since have like 30 likes. And more than the post and how delighted I am that this might be true, I'm very excited at the amount of likes I've received in a short period of time. And I'm wondering just about, like, I, that really does affect my mood. Like, if I post something and it gets one like in a day, even if I love the person who liked it, even if it's literally my sister, yeah. I'm sad. Yeah. A, a small part of me is like, damn, was this not... I don't know what even the thought is. It's just damn. It's like a pervasive damn cloud over the social media day. And uh, I'm wondering, like, how healthy... It's probably not healthy that I'm, like, even more in love with this post because 30 people like it. But I'm also wondering... This is a wonderful thought I have. If you have the people who like it, it's like 30 people or some odd, like, for your post, I want there to be an app in which those 30 people can be in a room and then you walk into that room and then y'all have a party where you discuss the post. It's like, hey, this mm. is the 30 people that love this post. Hey, let's all like get together and geek out about this post in real time. Let's all Don't drink you... our three glasses of champagne. <laughs> together, <laughs> exactly. I Don't want you think that you'd to be, be more real. reluctant to like a post if it meant you had to attend a social well, function you know, to celebrate the you post? You take it more seriously. If you had to go to a mandatory party, we're in. But yeah. I I think about that a lot. I remember this summer I had, like, there was, I, I was getting on an above ground platform mm. just as the sun was setting. Mm. I mean, this is a beautiful sunset over the Statue of Liberty, looking over the Hudson River. It was purple and orange and green. And I'm waiting for the train and I sit down. And whereas 10 years ago, I might have just sat down and taken it in. This time I sat down and I took out my phone and I photographed it and I got the lighting perfectly. Mm. And then the seven minutes between when I took the photo and when the train came, I'm looking at my phone trying to pick the right filter. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like searching for the right quote, mm -hmm. which is I ended up going like quoting a poet named Daniel Ladinsky hey. who says like Something, if I die, I don't, the one thing I don't want you to say is that I haven't kissed the world enough, mm. which is beautiful, right? <laughs> it's like beautiful, but as I'm typing it, I'm not kissing the world. Huh. I'm not taking in the world. I'm typing on my phone. Sure. And I get on the train just enough to be on the fucking like crowded train. <laughs> and then I'm taking it into the city and I arrive in Chelsea and I'm like, all right, man, like who liked my photo? Yeah. And how much do they like it? And there's a big joke there that's on me <laughs> where I missed the sunset. Right. I think about that in terms of the... I watched like the Jon Stewart's last episode on The Daily Show. Mm. This like icon of television is having his last episode and all of the old people come back, all like the correspondents and they jam out to Bruce Springsteen who's like his favorite band. Mm. And, I'm, and the video is all of them with their phones out. All no. the famous correspondents are dancing on the dance floor of Bruce Springsteen, and 75% of them have their phones out so that they can tweet to their followers the video of them on Jon Stewart's last night, which Dang. is crazy to me. Yeah. And I, you know, like it, I, you know, it kind of doomed me a little bit. I mm. haven't really been on social media the last little bit because 
of that exact fact of being like, I don't know. I know that there's a way to, but I don't know how to negotiate the present with the documentation of the fact that I was here and how necessary it is for me to communicate that to other people sure. who either know me in real life or don't know me at all. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think it's an interest in like excessive curation. I mean, mm. it's like I, I can't just, it's not enough for me to experience this you know, this moment. I have to curate it just so that it is as beautiful as it hit me, in a way. Um, and, but then, you know, by the end of it, I think the joke is, is that, like, you're not left thinking about the sunset, even. You're not left with the memory of the sunset. You're left with the panic of who liked it, you know? And I don't like that panic. That, that anxiety does not do it for me. I, I get very upset. Or everybody online has the ability to make you be like... Well, that sunset wasn't that good. It's like, <laughs> you know, like yo, but but in truth, it, there, I'm I made better for it. Right, know? right. I don't know, dude. Don't, what you think, Gina? What is on your mind today? Uh, in in all the social media haze and Chicago hateration. Hey. Well, in, in all three of these things, um, all three of your what's on your minds is so disparate. <laughs> I was hoping to like weave it all together. My brain, <laughs> my brain is not big it. enough to do that. Um, Welcome to the poetry, guys. So there we are. Um, I will say um, this weekend, you were talking, John, about what it is to be at home and finding solitude, and and, and the first time finding that uh, solitude, and I um, find that that is a battle. I have uh, extreme, and I have for many, many years, when I am not, I don't stop. Mm-hmm. I don't stop and sit. I don't stop. If Even if, even if uh, my partner convinces me to watch a movie, I will sit with a tablet in my lap and work on something mm-hmm. or wow. research something online while I'm paying half attention to the, to the movie or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, <laughs> the... Yesterday morning, <laughs> he asked me to listen to a podcast. He's been asking me. He's on this round of listening to his own podcast. Not, sorry, the Poetry Gods yet, but <laughs> a different podcast. And, um, and so he's, he's been really into it. And, I, and, and, you know, good on him. But he's encouraging me to listen. You know, take it, listen on the subway, do whatever. And I, the idea for me of stopping everything to do nothing and Focus for an hour straight or an hour ten straight actually gives me panic. Wow. The idea of not doing whatever that is, right? Even though my brain is working, obviously it's you know yeah. listening to conversations like this, listening to some expert talk about the thing that they are great at, which is what he's he's been into. It's fascinating, and he did make me sit down and listen. And I sat for 90 minutes. Okay. And I feel like I deserve a shot of whiskey after that. But, um, We're anyway, happy to it's fascinating. And I was, I, you know, I am a better person for listening to it. It's a great podcast. What was it? it was, it was uh, and I can't co We don't talk sign about the Because I can't remember <laughs> the guy's name. But the guy was... Um, the, the podcast itself, the, the host interviews different experts in various fields and various things that they're inventing and creating in the world. And some of it's self-help stuff and some of it's, um, you know, 
financial help and some of it spiritual help and it's just all kinds of things but people who pardon the cliche here but think outside the box and have mm-hmm. inve- reinvented themselves out of something nice. <laughs> and this particular one was a, a young man who who does self-help like life coaching mm-hmm. but listening to the first 30 minutes of it with him telling his life story was astoundingly difficult mm-hmm. and it, like the man has been through so much from from sexual abuse as a child through homelessness through drug addiction through all of these things he got himself through it and then cancer diagnosis mm. like wow. just an unbelievable I, at about half hour I was like okay I need to get out of this bed I have to go do some work I can't I can't um, but I sat through it and it, it, you know it's just it was amazing to listen to someone who's been through so much how they talk their way through their brain into turning major things in life into not turning them positive but overcoming the victim the self victim yeah. and uh, it was really really fascinating yeah. um, that reminds me um, on Twitter one of my friends posted about uh, you know going to therapy and her therapist um, told her that she should work less hard and she was like I can't what? I'm not I'm like this. Is someone who's like in a dissertation program. She's also a poet. She has an installation up in the children's museum, like doing a ton of work, Very writing fine. creative nonfiction. Yeah. Um, she's like, I can't. I don't know how to not work hard. Right. And the therapist was like, What if you worked hard at not working hard? <laughs> and so then my friend posted on Twitter. And she was like, I really tried hard. <laughs> she was like. <laughs> I really worked hard at trying to relax. And that's what that story reminds me of. It's like, you know, I I know people that are terrible at taking vacations. So, you know, they're like, you know, they want to go on vacation so bad. And the second that they get on vacation, they're like, oh, my God, I'm so bored. Like, I can't do it. So I need to do something. This is terrible. Please help me. You know what's interesting? Just today I had that conversation before Mm. I came here. Like, you know, having like moving very slowly out of a warm house, you know. Mm. And and a, a friend of mine, he was... So one of my friends, Yarminia, posted a video, a beautifully edited video of the time we went to New Orleans and we were kicking it in New Orleans. I saw that. But, right? It was a gorgeously edited, you know, like, curated video. And it wasn't for social media. It was, like, art, you know? Like, I'd spent a month editing this art, right? Mm. And my friend, he... That's a man. He's like, oh, you're going to like record these podcasts today with your friends and all that stuff. He was like, none of your time is purely leisure. Like, none of your time is ever, mm. you know, unaccounted for in a sense. Like, the people that you make home and family with are the people that you work with. You know what I mean? And there's a gorgeousness to it, and there's like this insatiable quality to it. Like. But with all the time I have, you know, I, I want to build stuff, you know? I only want to build stuff. And it's a joy, and it's also, like, something that I realize I need to, like, reckon with in a way. Because I'll push to do everything all the time. Mm. Usually at the behest of my body. Usually at the, It's mostly my physical health that I've decided is, like, not important. But it has to be, you know? Like, sit down. Sleep. Sit down and sleep. <laughs> you know, watch the movie without thinking about a review of the movie. Mm. Watch the movie without mm. thinking about an essay you could write about the movie, potentially. Like, watch the movie because it's there and you're there. But I don't know. I, I like the way I live. I don't want to change the way I live. Well, I think also when you're in the arts, yeah. uh, there is a part of that kind of 
I don't know, like that lifestyle mm -hmm. where your social and professional lines are so blurred. Totally. And your creative and professional and social lines are so blurred mm -hmm. that in particular, you know, like I think, I'm trying to find another way to say other than single, but I think single is a big, is like a big difference in terms of how people, not, not in terms of how people go through, but how people from the outside perceive what you call leisure mm -hmm. and what you call something else, you know? Like, uh, I don't think it was until I had a partner where I wasn't able to, it, you know, like name something at any given time as being creative or potentially <laughs> professional. I mean, right. we went through, Jeanne, we went through years, right? Where... Years. I mean, we just had a friend base, and we just got up all the time, and we talked about poems, and we drank, oh, and we performed, <laughs> and we, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, Been, you know, we'd be with, like, Adam Faulkner and Ebony, and, <laughs> and we would just, yeah. And at any point in time, if someone had been like, dude, nothing that you do is leisure-based. Right. I would have been like, well, yes and no. You know, right. like, yes and no. I'm not to say that this is how you feel, Aziza, but, like, I would No, but I, I do feel that way, though. It's just, like, like when my friend had told me that, like, mm -hmm. nothing is leisure. It's just, like, well, in that, I do take it seriously, you know? And right. I take it seriously in that it makes me feel good, and I'm invested mm. in what makes yes. me feel good. I'm invested in what makes my friends feel good. So that, no, there's no thing I do that that I'm not invested in. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, I don't know. It's I think when people say like it's not leisure, they mean it's not fun, and it's only fun. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, that's absolutely true for the many years that John was just talking about that we're, we were. Constant, and it was mostly poetry. Mm. And when it wasn't poetry, we would end up talking about poetry, which is how <laughs> we piss people off and drive people nuts. Because you know, <laughs> we'd and then be those together, people stop coming around. Yes, yes, that is real. They're like, man, do you guys do anything but this? Mm. We, yeah, sure. no, no, <laughs> but we do so much of this, mm. it fills your life. You mm. know. Mm. I, it was constant, and so to me, that is leisure. To me, the idea of spending two, two and a half hours sitting and watching a movie is torturous to me because I feel unproductive. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's in many cases incredibly interesting, beautiful, moving, etc. Right. But I feel like I'm being lazy. I am mm -hmm. not being productive if I am taking that leisure time to right. sit out and do nothing. Right. And do, you feel, do you feel the same way if you go to a poetry reading? No. Hmm. Why not? Excellent point. Um, <laughs> Even if it's a really boring poetry reading? Or where it's a really... Yeah, no, you're... Good point, too. I definitely have had moments of being at a reading <clears throat> that is not engaging and I am checking out, mentally checking out, and then I start to get antsy, and I start yeah. to think, you know, mm. I could go, uh, you know, I could go be doing whatever. Yeah. Everything from editing my next manuscript to <laughs> doing the laundry. I, there's something mm. else that I could benefit, that my life would benefit from. This right here, right now is not mm. doing that for me. 
That's how I feel on bad dates in particular. Ooh. Like, I can write off a bad movie. Hey, real. I can write off a bad reading. I'd I can like take to... notes or something, but if it's a bad date, I'm... Waste that's a of time. three hours of my life. I will never I'd like get to returned. welcome you to my favorite segment of this podcast, <laughs> which <best>. is... Uh, <laughs> how to date with Aziza Barnes. Lord also, Aziza's dating advice, which right mm-hmm. now we only have one thing We have one piece on there. I think there are two pieces, no? Well, we have shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Rule number one of dating. Yeah. Rule number two. Was ask questions. Ask so you kind of can't do both of those at the same time. Right. right. If you're you not going to do rule number one. asking questions. Yeah. Ah, there it is. Do rule Boom. number two. Boom. And don't tell Aziza about your Pulitzer. That's. Don't. Don't tell Aziza about what? My, your, your Pulitzer. Pulitzer. <laughs> Basically, if you want a Pulitzer, don't mention it in the first ten minutes of conversation. You know what I'm saying? If you won, if you won the prize at the county fair. You know what I mean? For having the best hog. Let me find that out about you. <laughs> let, me, let me go research. I don't want to know in, in, in the first 30. No, I'm That's saying. handing you your CV. And yeah, exactly. Here's here are my credentials. It's like wow. clearly this is an interview. Is. Right. And it and it's it makes it sad to me. I'm like, mm. but uh, there there's a magic. Why is in it like, sad? Okay. It's sad because it, it's on a certain level it makes me feel like you don't trust that I'm interested potentially in you. Like, if you want to tell me all the good stuff, also, I won't have any good stuff to look forward to from now on. You know what I mean? You told me all the goods. Now I know what you think is good about you. And I don't know. I, I just love where it's like you can trust your own conversation without all your accolades like clanking at the door. You know what I mean? Also, Um, I feel like if all you are are your accolades, then... Who are you? I don't know. Besides that, you know what I mean? Like, all right, you told me your accolades, but if that's it, that that's all you got, then right. th- that's not interesting. You know what I'm what saying? What I would love to learn about you is like, you know, what is Tell what us. is in fact your favorite basketball team? Not Ooh. that I watch any at all, but I would love to know what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to know like what town you're from, and you know, a, like. I, I love telling this that like one of my favorite smells is the concrete after the rain hits it and that it has a name petrichor it's it a has name a for name? that smell wow. there's a name I for that smell that. Wow. shout out to Jimmy Artis who told me this Listen, beautiful which, poet I'm not on a date right now but if I was on a date Swoon Town right Swooning <laughs> Swoon Town exactly. all day and I'd be right and I didn't have to tell you anything about me but the fact that I found it interesting. That's a that's a piece of my brain, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Although this yeah. this negotiation yeah. between accolades and real life feels mm. really appropriate to have Gina on the podcast Absolutely. because I feel like there's a common storyline that I fit into where people ha- are like. Jean Everly was my hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, is my hero, you know. <laughs> is, the uh, is the reason I write. Yeah, and I remember seeing her across the room. I was so nervous to go speak to her, mm-hmm. and then she was the nicest person I'd ever met. Me and Hanif just had that whole and, session. And now. honestly, even I mean, this was before Racing Hummingbirds came out. You know, back in the day when I first got to New York, Jean Ann was reading a poem that you know she might not even want me to mention called, <laughs> called Probably not. Called Probably Dirty not. Girl. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> which I think is still online somewhere, I taken right? It down, she hasn't so taken I, it I down. So if you want to right. see early Google Jean Ann poetry, that Shout poem was Google. the shit. Yeah. Uh, and I went on her MySpace page and hey. saw wow. that her favorite movie was SLC Punk, which was also yes. one of my favorite movies. Wow. And I literally had to like 
work up the strength mm. to get to like walk over to Jean-Anne and say, hey, I, I looked at your MySpace page, A, <laughs> which is an uncomfortable thing to say to anybody, Everybody. and B, I love this movie, and I was like waiting to get slapped, but I didn't get slapped, <laughs> which is, I don't quite, why do you think people are intimidated when they like are trying to come talk to you? Uh, it, I mean, do you think your poems are so real and wonderful and like visceral? I think it has to be the poems because I, unless you have witnessed me, which you, John, have, unless you've witnessed me in the midst of an actual manic moment where I am raging and having to be dragged out of a pizza shop. Still very endearing. (laughs) I came back down to the ground, but, you know, unless you've really witnessed me in a true state of rage Mm. and bar fight, whatever you... Pick pick the venue. Um, I don't know why anyone at all would be in, put off or or nervous or any of those things. I'm I'm very shy. Mm. I'm the one who's sit, sitting in the back of the room, hiding against the wall, and hoping to to vanish until you know, when I'm on stage. It's it's different. I can right. put that mask on and I can be you know. Mm. There's a safety for me there, yeah. but. I, I will never understand why people get that. And I get it all the time. Mm. You're so scary. I can't believe you're so nice. Hey, if someone's not nice, fuck them. I like, mm-hmm. really don't have tolerance for that. Yeah, Let's yeah. just stop not being nice. Just be nice. <laughs> it's really not hard. It's easy. But, so, if you're out there not being nice, stop you heard that. it first. You are yeah. on my list. Um, but then, but I've, I, I, it has to be the poems because I've, I'm rarely the incredibly outrageous, not nice person. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even that has to be, you know, someone's got to really dig in hard to make me angry and make sure. me mouth off in any way. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I really, it's got to be the poems, mm-hmm. which are raw and I, if, I can't believe I just said that's my least favorite. Raw. <laughs> it's my least favorite adjective that people use for my poetry. Why is that? That's my least favorite one from my from my poems. Too. I hate it. Wait, did I already say raw? No. No, I didn't say raw. I said I visceral. Didn't. You did say visceral. It's you might visceral have said bad. raw. It's not new. All right. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. I don't hate you, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's, and, and it's mostly because it's it's been used so many times to describe sure. my work, sure. and that I'm like, well. Probably feels raw, but trust me, I edit. Yeah, like cool. everything that's there is intentional. Yo. So it ain't raw. It's Thank you. honed. Yeah. And you just feel raw after you read it. Huh. Mm. Right. The raw, I think. Important. I think the raw though is the yeah, subject matter, speech. not the craft. I, right. I, like. Yeah. But when you're when you have a hundred different right. things come back at you and say, oh, she's so raw, it's so raw, it's so raw. So I'm like, yeah. that's my, that's oh, my, but I had it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. My, my contention is, um, she's so raw, like the, the person, mm. right, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, because then I think it's, I just wonder often, like, would they say that necessarily about a man who was writing, um, that he's so raw, you know, never that he's that so, I've never heard that either. I mean, no, and and I and I do think then if it if they attribute it to your personhood, then that's like, well, all right, no, you don't know me. You know right. this like very gorgeous poem that I've rendered and rendered and rendered um, and given to you. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a privilege that you get to feel this raw. 
by virtue of what I wrote, you know? So I wonder about that. I, I, I take an issue with, like, she's so raw. Um, I don't, how do you feel necessarily about, like, the way in which it's used, I guess? The word raw? Yeah. It, it, it is... I think you, you nailed it uh, with that because I get tight when people think, and I've had it's been said to me many, many times, um, people just assume for some reason my work doesn't, it, it just comes out that way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just feel that it's just, bleh, and then there it is. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I have a couple that are pretty much... You know, I've changed, moved a few commas, changed the line breaks a little bit, and but they haven't gone through the meat grinder. Right. But most of my work goes months and months and months or years of fine-tune, let it rest, fine-tune, let it rest. And mm-hmm. so I take issue on the idea of craft being seen as raw, and that is probably just my own hypersensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that really great is what you just hit of calling me raw which is that doesn't offend me mm-hmm. but the idea that you think you know me because mm-hmm. you read a poem that has been through the meat grinder of editing you think both of those things are raw yeah oh that doesn't that doesn't sit right with me that's like you don't you don't know me mm-hmm. for me <laughs> when I was in college I used to get raw as feedback all the time and I'd be um. like Yo, that was a love poem. Like, <laughs> I'd, be like, I'd be like, my G, I'd be like, my G, you didn't read the poem. You just read me. You know what I mean? Like, you just read my biography. That's all you read. Wow. That shit was a love poem. That That's was like a, love a poem from my mom. That was like the tenderest, sweetest shit I've ever wrote. It's only raw because it's me. Because you're not mm. reading the poem. You know what I mean? Mm. Because you're just reading. The author, you know what I'm saying? Interesting. That's what used to get me about yeah. it. That's why I hate that word. It's because it sent me off to sort of like an uncritical hmm. lens. You know what I mean? It made me immediately realize that this was someone who was more interested uh, in like my exoticness as a writer and hmm. a person of color as opposed yeah. to like my work. You sure, know what right. I'm saying? Sure. And and I think well, we talked about this on one of the podcasts. Or just in life, they're starting to muddle now. Yeah. But I appreciate that. What's podcast? What's that? Could all be recorded. Yeah, I just walk around like, what's up, everybody? <laughs> no, you genuinely do on the two train. <laughs> I'll say it's on the two We're train. We're about to like, do what? Your mind. Yo, I mean, Godspeed to your morning commute. Yeah, if that's good luck the case. to all those folks. I love yeah. you. But um, we were discussing and. I was I was trying to talk about like after a show you did you did your set you know what I mean however long it was however many poems it was and however you bantered however you were mm-hmm. however you decided to be that day maybe you were quieter that day maybe you had a lot of stories to tell in addition to your poems but then someone comes up to you after and you get the sense that they f- they have a they have a feeling that they know you they're very mm-hmm. personable suddenly and they're yeah. very like hey what's your number suddenly and they're very like give me a hug so, people just be getting hugs and I'm like I don't know where all this came from where you thought you could just touch my body yeah. because you heard me speak interesting yeah. correlation but what I love what you said John was um the the weirdness isn't that you don't know me at all it's like you might know me some now 
You know, you you know an hour's worth of me mm-hmm. now. True. I don't know you at all. That's yeah. like the exchange that happened. <laughs> I, I, I'm meeting you now, you know? Yeah. Instead of a hug, tell me a few facts about yourself. Do you like you the know? smell of rain on concrete? Do you know it's <laughs> Which my is called, uh, you know, uh, Piqua uh, or whatever. Uh, 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 Damn, Petrichor. Petrichor, my bad. Yes. Piqua is the city Pic- in Ohio. That's also a great, that's a great name. But, I um, love that you just I guess, use that as the standard. When I think of when I think of raw, uh, all right. When I think of raw, when I as it pertains to your poems, I mean, I certainly don't think of it in terms of craft because mm-hmm. I know that Jean Ann is behind a computer always, <laughs> like seriously, like toiling over word choice and comma. She'll send me and Adam Faulkner like an email that have two versions <laughs> that look very similar and are like, "Which do you prefer? Don't worry, just vote." Uh-huh. And we have to be like, all right, uh, the first one, because the comma is not there. <laughs> um, but I think of a poem like, say, The Session, you know? It's a very famous poem of Jean Anne's that, that you should check out if you haven't heard it. But at the end, there is, you know, there's this whole kind of uh, ambiguous storyline of whether or not Jean Anne is in the therapist's office or not, mm. and kind of like a, a long journey through kind of uh, depression and, and mental health, which dialogue. you could explain it way better, but it's a dialogue between you and kind of a, uh, a, a therapist that we identify as being there, and then in the end, it, you know, like, it's not a therapist, and it's just a train, and, you know, I can just, I can't imagine, I mean, I can imagine in some ways, like, the writing of the poem to be there at that moment and have the guts to say... It's just the lights flickering that say that I will die today. Mm. No one ever believes this story. And to come to that final realization is in a way to look at your poem and not take... Like, you never take an easy way out in your poems. Mm-hmm. You never take an easy way out, which mean, which is to say that you, that you walk towards the truth no matter what in your poems. And sometimes the truths are really beautiful and sometimes they're hard, but that also makes them beautiful. Because they're the truth. I feel like the truth is almost a religion in your poems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a better explanation than raw, though. Yeah, of right. course. I mean, you say raw, and that doesn't mean any. You know, like that right. can be taken a billion different ways. But I'm curious in the writing process of a poem like the session or any. I mean, you could substitute other poems. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have critical moments where you think, "Man, I think this poem might be taking me over here." But no, I have to go this way. Or what is that moment when you're writing that pushes you? Um, to to answer that, I, every poem is different, um, and I don't know if that's because I I I'm like haven't been through an MFA program, and so I haven't been thrown the the you know put into a box and this is how you have to do craft your poems or whatever I don't even know if they do that in MFA programs but I've heard terrible things <laughs> they don't know <laughs> so but so I don't I don't have a strict anything as to how I develop a poem my brain does it and I'm very lucky that my brain makes these things happen and some of them are like the session where it's this completely imagined um, 
not completely imagined. It's it's presented as a as a very factual event, and then turns it on its end at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, to to speak to that specific poem, I sat down to write the session as a journal entry, specifically to stop writing a poem. I had been writing poem after poem after poem about the incident on the subway mm-hmm. where I had had a psychotic break and I was hearing voices and I needed to exit the train. And it, it was a probably a hospitalization moment that didn't end up being right. hospitalized. But it was a very real, very frightening, difficult, real thing. And I had written... I had approached it with poetry, and I was trying very hard to no longer do poetry. Let me just write this out. Mm. So that's one of the refrains in the poem, the session, is um, talking about stop the poetry. Mm. Don't don't write it poetically. Mm. Tell the damn story. Be honest. Get Mm. real. Mm. In that way, the session wrote itself, because I couldn't stop the poetic brain from turning the key. It just kept mm. turning it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then at the end, I was like, you know, here's here's this imagined moment of if I were to go to a therapist and talk about this situation, what would it look like? The therapist would tell me to stop being poetic and tell me to just tell the story straight. Yeah. And then, boom... The truth is, I didn't go to a therapist. The truth is, I did have a psychotic break, and I navigated it all by myself on my own. And the truth is, it was a Tuesday morning on my way to work, and I had to go in and sit at my desk and pretend like everything was fine. Mm. And so in that, I guess, I use that, the telling of writing the session to say, my body, my brain does the work. I don't plan it. Mm. It's not like I come into it and say, oh, I think I'll be clever with this one. It's (laughs) just so much going on. I have to get it out and I start telling the story and then I battle myself and I check back in and then, and my, my brain, and I'm a hundred percent sure this has everything to do with being bipolar, that it, it's just in a constant, uh, mood mix. And so there's a moment to moment of especially when I'm dealing with processing a very emotional, traumatic thing, right. writing that out, my brain is jogging back and forth and back and forth. Handle it. No, don't handle it. Talk about it. No, don't talk about it. Well, you got to talk about it because you're a genie. Of course you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then at the end of the day, there's a ball. So, um, oh, yes. But and something that you did say is, it, which is very beautiful, by the way, thank you, that my, my work goes ever towards the truth um and I remember once a long time ago you and I were visiting a high school was it Stuyvesant? Stuyvesant we did together I believe it was Stuyvesant that um afterwards we had a little Q&A or something and then afterwards on the train back John was like man you cannot not be honest can you (laughs) some kids had asked and I don't even remember the question but some kids had asked you know, some you know, very important, like, truth-revealing, honest questions, and I gave them very truth-revealing, honest What were the answers. questions? I don't remember. Man, I don't remember this. But oh, I remember I your face, it. like, these are children, Dead. and you're yeah. talking the truth, Gina. Gina was like, honestly, I drink it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. 
<laughs> to be real? It probably was. I, I mean, but I'm sure, like... That's hilarious. That they appreciated <laughs> that, though, no? And then I, I feel like as a, as a shorty in high school, I always... You can detect um, when a Absolutely. grown person is um, deleting... Well, or just deleting something. Or just, mm-hmm. like, trying to front like they're not, mm-hmm. you know... Looney Tunes like me, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, and I resent that, and it makes me feel. I mean, as a as a high schooler, I would feel so small in the presence of like, you know, like, well, one day you'll work it out, little person. And I was just like, yeah. you ain't even worked it out. I don't know how you got this gig to come here to talk this bullshit to me. <laughs> yeah. today. Exactly. I feel like high school poetry visits are the equivalent of therapy sessions for me. Hmm. What they ask, I, they just ask such honest questions, yeah. and I'm always looking at. 17, you know, high schoolers or 30 high schoolers in a classroom mm-hmm. and they're like, so what happened in your relationship? Why'd you write that? <laughs> Why'd you write And you're that? like, well, <laughs> it's really hard sometimes. <laughs> you know, you love someone and they love you, but it's just really bad and you're yeah. bad to each other. And you just like, I don't, you That's know what I mean? So like, funny. you yeah. try to really tell them the truth, but sometimes they really call you on things that make you go fuck like I need to analyze this and change (laughs) (laughs) you know like uh, but I agree those are the kids I mean I don't know I'm I'm grateful for having talked to so many high schoolers because now I try to approach adults the same way totally you know when they ask you questions Mm. To not give them canned answers. That reminds me of um, a minor tangent. I'll encase it in tangent land. But just, I remember running into this girl I went to college with on the street. We're both in college. And it was summer before we were about to, like, study abroad together. And we didn't know each other super well. um, But we knew we went to school together. And she asked me how I was doing. And very immediately I said, like, oh, terrible. You know, I'm like, not doing great today. And she was like, oh, why? And you could tell she really wanted to know. And I really wanted to say it. I was like, I'm going through a breakup and it's shitty. And every day feels kind of, like, gross. And I feel a little gross in it. And it wasn't, like, pity me. And it wasn't, like, I'm about to waste your time. It was, like, well, since you asked, you know. And then that's now, like, one of my best friends. And shout out to Nora Carroll for finding that endearing but like I think people who are genuine love a, a in kind that moment where it's like okay I'll give five minutes to that I'll give ten minutes to that it might change how I walk around a little bit no doubt I love it when people answer questions honestly mm-hmm. yeah yo. you know yeah. alright so yes. check it out so we're in 2008 then mm. uh, uh, and Jeanan you know you're writing Dirty Girl and tribute. These are good poems. I own it. I wrote it. Just to be fair, this is nothing to be ashamed of. It was a great time in 2007, 2008 in the New York City Poetry Slam world and Jeanan was a queen, you know? Uh, But then, you know... 2008 was pretty tough for me. 2008 comes along and we're going to get back to why 2008 was tough for those I just had to throw that out there because John was like, 2007, 2008 was a pretty great time. And I don't know if you felt this, but it feels like something switched for you then. You wrote a poem called 40 Love Letters. You Mm -hmm. wrote unsolicited advice to adolescent girls with crooked teeth and pink hair, which I heard, you know, via telephone. Uh, (laughs) It's one of my, like, crowning accomplishments in my entire life. I mean, yeah, Uh, for real. And or 
you wrote Resurrection then. A lot of the kind of the... Resurrection. Yeah, a lot of the big poems that were in Racing Hummingbirds that, you know, I mean, that whole book is incredible, but a lot of the seminal poems that kind of were the heart of the book got written then. Did something change to where you felt like, oh man, now I'm writing the poems I'm supposed to be writing? Or, like, how does that happen when you start writing the lights out yeah, just like start writing the lights out. I, it's you. This is neither the first time you've asked this, nor the first time anyone's asked this. It's been asked many times because mm. I was a slow starter um, from the time I first started doing slam, which was like '05, mm. until my first team in '06, um, and then didn't make a team at all in '07. Ended up coaching, you know. So like, it, it was this kind of. Two steps forward, one step back. You know, only if it was the the right audience who was really, really listening and could deal with the sad girl stuff and all of that. You know, it was like performance was not mine to be had. But I never lost confidence in my writing, even though I hadn't actively been doing good. Not not that I was doing bad work necessarily, although I would be critical of myself then. But mm. I wasn't doing the work that I think I probably had in my head as where I should be at that point. Mm-hmm. Having been through, I, I got married very young and I stopped writing during that relationship. Not intentionally. I mean, I was writing all kinds of protest letters and mm-hmm. just doing other kinds of writing, but I wasn't writing poems or stories anymore. And I was lying to myself the whole time saying, you know, I'm happy now. I'm, I'm satisfied. I don't need to write out my traumas anymore. Blah blah blah. Bullshit. Bullshit. Mm. So get out of marriage, and it just flooded. Wow. Flooded. I could not stop myself from writing poems. I could not stop myself from chronicling, detailing, unpacking all of the stuff I had just wow. buried down. Yeah. So in the midst of this, through a therapist, I was, you know, well, you you. You talk about how you were a writer and you used to write all the time. Why don't you go find some poetry shows? Thank God for that therapist, too. Right? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, the therapist did for the world. I want to shake this therapist, <laughs> yeah. man. Shout out to that therapist. Woo! So she, a great service. She, uh, she actually, she's like, actually, I have a, a friend of mine, a personal friend of mine, runs a show um, in Brooklyn, and, you know, you should go check it out. So I went and checked it out. And got brave enough to lean in and ask the guy, you know, how, how does one get involved, you know, which is like, that took so much courage yeah. for me. Yeah. I am so shy. I was like, you know, I just, I, I imagine just that be even the first involved. step of like, the therapist suggests like, maybe you should go to this poetry reading. And even that first step of like, going to the poetry yeah. reading. Alone, I, freshly divorced, like not, wow. actually I don't even think I was, the divorce hadn't gone through yet. We were wow. living separately. Mm-hmm. Um, Trying to do that. So, what are you going to do as a single person? What are you going to do with your life? You know. Hmm. Um, so, so that span of time, I feel like, and this is a guess, but maybe two thousand eight is where those ten years caught up. Wow. Like, I was working it out from two thousand four. I guess two thousand three is when I first went to that reading. And then very, very slowly started meeting people. And I would go once a week to this little, I used to call them sleepy readings. There was a little coffee shop reading. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sleepy reading. And they were 
sure, because alternately, every single uh, person in the reading had fallen asleep at least dang. once on a Friday wow. night listening to each other's poems. We've all been to a, a reading or two. Totally. Yes. <laughs> Featured yeah. in a sleepy yeah. reading. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. It's like that. So I don't know. I It was that process, but I, I think definitely like being involved, being in constant conversation like this with other people who are invested mm. in... The non-leisureness of yeah. the work of poetry yeah. and writing gave it stakes. It wasn't just in my head that it mattered. I've always viewed myself as a writer. I always knew someday I was going to have a book. I just thought it would be once I retired. I didn't know you could do it simultaneous to mm. living your everyday yeah. life. And so being involved in communities of people who are just as invested and care just as much as I did, like it unlatched and I was able to continue writing and working, getting feedback. I mean, that feedback is mm. everything. Mm. Yeah, I can write a hundred poems in my journal and maybe I think they're the shit and maybe I think they're shit, <laughs> but it's, it's once I start working with other people, whether that's sharing in an open mic or sitting down with John and Adam and, and, you know, knuckling through every single comma, whatever it is, it's unpacking my own work and it, it, it's not validating it that I don't think it's valid in the first place, but it's validating it to say it's communicating outside of my right. brain. Mm. And if I don't know that if, if, let me just, instead of making generalizations, let me say the whole world, but me, if I don't have that, I don't know that I would trust the poems to, mm. to do the work that they do. Totally. Yeah, I think anybody out there who is looking to edit, it's like, I, I just remember being able to sit down with two people who were wholly invested in my work and having them disagree. It's even better than one person, right? Because somebody, you know, Adam would say, yo, dude, I don't think that this poem is good. Uh, <laughs> not to throw Adam out of the book, you know? But then Gina would be like, no, this poem is good. And then you'd be able to look at your own work magically, mm -hmm. objectively. You know, you'd be able to look at what you made objectively and say, okay, I understand how two incredibly smart, reasonable people would disagree over what this poem is doing. Sure. And it made permission for you to make your own choice. So inevitably when you know, the two of you disagreed, I would just go with whichever one I agreed with. <laughs> be like, I like that. Three votes, man. Be like, that's it. Odd numbers, it's a good vote. It is. You know? I also love it when um, two people, like, either agree on the same line being needed to be cut, or, like, agree that, I don't know, when they both agree that a line needs to go away, I'm thinking about, like, one particular poem where I had, um, Rico, Frederick, and um, Sean, you know, mm -hmm. Devine's mega, like, look at this one poem, and they were both like, yeah, that line has to go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, odds are it does. You know, mm -hmm. now that now that mm -hmm. these two people have looked at this, mm -hmm. I'm not... And not to be wedded to stuff, I think, is mm -hmm. important. Like, was that... How... Was there ever a point in your writing where you felt, like, really attached to a thing you wrote? Like, this means... I need this to just exist without being touched. Um, even I, if it means I put it in my drawer forever or something. Yeah, absolutely. I think there there are a number. I was definitely that way when I was a younger writer. When I was, and by younger, I'm talking high school. When mm -hmm. I, high school is probably when I really grounded myself as this is what I want to be. Like, this is the thing I love to do. I, I care so much about it. I'm going to do this somehow in my life. Um, and... 
at that point, I was, you know, in journaling and whatever. There were things I wrote that I had that smug moment of, it's art. It was created in the space and the way and the mood that it was created in, and I can't touch it. Mm. <laughs> and I'd go back and read it and be like, oh, I really want to change that, but it's art. Not <laughs> <laughs> like, I really felt that way. I really felt it was taboo wow. to, to not, to, to go, to ed, that edit was bad. Yeah. And then college, thank God, <laughs> gave me all the tools <laughs> to, you know, the, the very famous Kill Your Darlings. And... Mm. I mean, I still have darlings. Actually, Adam, we're talking a lot about Adam tonight. Adam Faulkner does the, uh, I can't remember what he called the graveyard. And he'll like, he'll drop down a page in his document and he'll take all the lines that he's not sure he wants and he'll just drop them on the next page. Mm -hmm. And then I had never seen that before. So I, what I did, because I'm me, I saved every new draft. So I'd have like, 600 drafts of a given poem wow. instead of just dropping some shit to the graveyard. It's like, damn, why am I so stupid? <laughs> like, Adam solved all of those problems by just dropping them down. Because I get it. You don't want to kill them. Right. But they don't go here. Yeah. So maybe I, they go somewhere else. And I you don't want to erase them and forget them forever, so you put them in the graveyard. Yeah. I have a separate Word doc on my computer <laughs> called Cut Lines That Are Dope. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but they're not dope. Well, no. <laughs> Almost to a T, they're not dope. <laughs> I go back and read. I like put lines that I'm cutting from poems that I don't want to die in there. And then a year later, I go back and I'm like, wow, that is the not dopest. <laughs> no, but at the time though, like I don't know. If you're like, if you're me in your head, you're having conversations with people that will never manifest. But like dream conversations, like I wish I could tell so-and-so, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and you think of that line, and you're like, I'm the flyest person that ever lived because yeah. I thought of this line, you know, like, <laughs> I'm Always. so lit. And you write it in your notes on your phone or in your notebook, and you're like, mm, day's work, you know. And, mm-hmm. and then you try to write from that for the day, and you're like, everything else could stay except that jump off, except that one yeah. really fly moment that yeah. will never happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's humbling. Mm-hmm. So I have another question. Uh, and this, uh, so, all right. You talked about the being on stage, about how that changes your chemistry in some ways. Like, you know, you're in the back of the room mm-hmm. chilling and, and then, you know, like on stage is where you kind of have this power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm curious, and this could be true of you, this could obviously be true of Aziza and Jose, who are very dope writers, Thank and you. anyone else who we've had on this podcast, right? Like, sure. well, I don't think we've had anyone on this podcast yet who doesn't read their poems out loud in a way that is very compelling yeah. and gripping. And, and there is, we'd be silly to say there isn't an art form to the orality of even oh, yeah. being in the room. There is something that happens there. I don't know that I want to call it performance, but it's something, you know? It's like presence. Presence, Um and, uh, you know, we seem to be entering kind of a golden age where the lines that have separated performance and, and written are kind of blurring and melding and, and uh, you know, in some ways existent, in some ways really non-existent. And I'm curious how, you know, someone, you know, you're just a great writer uh, and if you feel like you've been aided by the label of being an incredible performer, which you are. 
or if you've been hindered in some ways by that label or uh, or both or or neither i I think it's both um, i've I've gotten some pretty great gigs out of being uh, known as spoken word or performance poet and YouTube videos and you know click here and whatever <laughs> which is awesome um, I've also been told well we don't really do that at this program so we're mm. not interested in you wow. um, without without looking at two books and you know da 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 you know and Press matters, you know, people look at, well, oh, it's, but it's indie press, oh, yeah, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So, it's definitely, it's, it's been both. Um, the thing that I, as you, you personally know this, but that I started on the page, I also have a degree in theater performance, mm. and so some point far too late in life I should have this should have dawned on me much sooner I realized man these two things I really love to do (laughs) and I'm pretty okay I hold my own in these two arenas there are people out there in the world constantly doing this they married the two and they're doing it there's you know not that I don't know of anyone who's really really making a New York wage doing it but (laughs) There are people who survive and rock out, and some people do really well and have done it for decades. And I, the fact that it didn't ever occur to me that that was the thing you could do until Slam came along, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I can do this. Um, I don't know if that necessarily gets to the core of your question. It, yeah, it's it's hurt a little bit, and it's it's also given me you know an extra grand on a gig on a tour you know at some one city I ended up getting a college gig because I got because I was seen on YouTube and heralded mm. by some student as a spoken word artist mm. you know so it so. sounds like you don't invest in as much of your like performance correct I, you know what I mean or, I know, or like you don't yeah, take as I, much pride in the performance of it uh, as you do in the writing of it or is uh, that correct outside in moments I absolutely may take I, I take it incredibly seriously. Mm. I take the performance very seriously. I don't phone in. I don't... Never once. Joke. I don't, you know... I, I, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it 100%. Yeah. That's the least I can do for you who paid to be mm. in this venue tonight. Right. Um, or not even paid. Showed up. Right. And happened to be sitting there listening and thank you for doing that. So I owe it to you to give you 100% of myself. But when I'm not in that space... The thing that I care about, the thing that I, the, the thing that I want to be remembered. If you you were talking about legacy earlier, um, the idea of being a writer. When people ask what I do, I don't say I'm an office manager at blah blah blah, mm-hmm. which I am, but I say I'm a writer. Yeah, right. And I only allowed myself to give that answer once I published my first book. Yeah. Wow. Um, but man, let me tell you how quick that changed when I got the book deal. I was like, oh, I can say this now. I am officially. Hmm. So, yeah, so yeah, I do lean heavier on the writing side in just in terms of having conversations. Like introducing yourself at a party or at a pub or something and, you know, that 
So what do you do? Right. If if I'm gonna go down the road, well, I'm a spoken word artist. Right. And well, that means oh that someone stand. You know, it's and there's so much history in yeah, the idea yeah. of oration. There's so much yeah. history in the idea of griots and the whole the the legacy. There's the word again of yeah. and, and the history of performance art and performance poems, performance storytelling. I can't even scratch the surface of that, much less feel like I can take that on and and count myself, include myself in that immense history to random person on the street or in an interview or, I don't know. Does that make, did I impact that? Yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. That made me think about um, when I used to go to therapy, uh, I used to have, I used to be like, she would ask me, my therapist would ask me, she'd be like, you know, like, how's everything going at work? And I, I immediately jumped to like my nine to five, you know what I mean? I'd be like, well, actually, you know, things that blah, blah, blah are not going well. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, uh, I'm not really enjoying myself at this, this. I don't know that we're doing good work, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, well, you know, that's, I, she was like, you know, that's, that's your job. But I, I asked you about like, who you are, like what you're doing, and I, she was like, "You're working on a book, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, but it hadn't even dawned on me, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that was like work. That, that that was work, or that I that that was like how what bigger difference it made when I identified that way. When I was like, you know, when I started saying like, my name is Jose Olivares, it's like I'm a poet, like I'm a writer, I'm mm-hmm. work, I'm, you know, I'm working on something. How much it dragged me down to like think of." To have to like talk about my nine to five first, yeah, as yeah. opposed mm-hmm. as opposed to like writing and mm-hmm. and and that I I often felt like I had to talk about you know my what what was making money for me, what was making mm-hmm. the most money mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. first over like what was the mm-hmm. most important work mm-hmm. to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the work that I was doing at the time mm-hmm. at that office job was not my mm-hmm. life's work. My life's work was you know mm-hmm. writing poems and talking to people and, mm-hmm. and doing that. But it, it like, took a... I didn't realize it until she, like, brought that to me and was like, how come you never talk about your poems? Like, mm-hmm. are you writing? Are you working on that? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess I am. <laughs> and imagine the conversations, how they would change in the world if instead of being... Uh, because of systemic classism, we mm-hmm. s- stick and stay with that being. So, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What is it you do? What is it? The first question yeah. every stranger asks of another. Totally. Imagine if we could change that. And I, I, I want to make the agreement with myself to do it, but I, I forget yeah. honestly. Um, Real talk. But change that to. Uh, so, what do you think? Mm. What do you build? Mm. Yeah. What do you create? Like yeah. find a new what it because I do want to know you, stranger. I want to find out what's interesting to you. Going back yeah. to the date conversation, right? Hey. <laughs> it's what? Let me get to what's most interesting about you, not just what you do to survive on the planet. Because right. most of us are not lucky enough to sustain our rent. Mm through what we love mm. not that we don't try but most right. of us can't do it it's just not feasible in our and with our um economic structure sure also it's like if i'm here and you're here 
we've already survived to here. You know, like what we had to do to survive to get here mm-hmm. has been done. It can't be the topic right now because mm. we already had to do that. Like if I'm meeting you at seven and we got out of work at five, mm-hmm. I can't be interested in, in what you did to get here. I'm just happy you're here. So like now it's mm-hmm. well, what do you want to make? You know, you can make mm-hmm. stuff because you already did the. You know, my mom's big on that. I love the way you put that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I like learning it from my mom is a huge thing because she, the way she'll introduce herself is she'll say, I'm a milliner. You know, she makes hats. Mm -hmm. Big, crazy hats, Sunday church hats, (laughs) gorgeous hats, Mm -hmm. right? Has a closet full of head stumps that you make hats on, you know what I mean? The wood blocks, right? Not head stumps. Head stumps sounds they're the wood blocks, right? But so she makes these hats gorgeous and she's incredible. But she got a whole law degree, you know, is a lawyer. Mm. Like, you know, does work for this one department in the federal government every day. But she already, I mean, by the time she gets home, she doesn't want to talk to you about the, the kooky people she had to deal with or the law stuff or the lawsuits or whatever. She wants to talk about hats. So it's like, yeah. let's talk about yeah. hats, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Gina, I want to, to go back to something. You know, you, you were talking about going to those sleepy shows. Yeah, sleepy. When did you... When did you start going? When did you start going to slams? When did you go from going to the sleepy shows to going to poetry? Anti sleep shows, which could Anti-sleep also be sleepy. Sometimes which they can. But at that time they weren't. Honestly, <laughs> this was the golden <laughs> age. I could talk. I could talk, I I could talk for years about the part, golden age. Part of like asking me this question is also because I love hearing John tell these <laughs> stories about like 2008 so, poetry slams. Wait, slam where were you in 2006, 2007, 2008? I was in college, very sad. Word. I was... At Harvard College. 2008, I was in um, 10th grade. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You did that shit on purpose. Of course I did. All right, we're going to let that go. And this is fun. I'm sorry. So, Jean-Anne, how did you go from the sleepy shows to slam? Um, I... There was... uh, So, I met that gentleman, asked him how to get involved. He said, come back next time. Um, he's, and then he stopped himself and said, oh, are you a writer? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, we do this one over here, this other space, mm-hmm. weekly. This was a monthly that I had gone to. He tells me to go to the weekly. I go a few times. Um, I read once. Then he's really interested. <laughs> then he's like in my face, wants to know, wants to bring me to feature for his monthly. So I do that. At the monthly, once I featured, um... It went well, and I had a number of other local folks and other little coffee shop wine bars in Brooklyn say, you know, we would love to have you through. Please come through. Please come through. So I ended up befriending um, a woman who was running uh, at a wine bar. A She did a dual feature and short open mic every two weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. I go, I start going religiously. Every single time it's there, I didn't even read. I just always went and listened and, and tuned in and just was building and learning. Jeff McDaniel. Wow. Taylor Motley. Rachel McKibbins. George McKibbins. Uh, all these people that we all know now as, for me, it was like, oh, look at this 
this is an amazingly good reader for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. um, blown out of the water by Rachel, yeah. uh, crying in the back when Jeff McDaniel was reading, and yeah. it just, you know, just really, really. That that was the aha moment of oh, that thing that I've always had in the back of my head about performing with intent, the words on the page, they're doing that. Mm. How? What? How? How? So I started asking, where did that person come from? How do you know her? How do you know him? But yeah. found out all trails led back to Slam. Wow. All trails led back to at the time Bowery Poetry Club. Wow. Or the Loud like, Arts Project. At, for me at that time. They were all saying, the people I had seen, right. it was all Barry Poetry Club, which is how I ended up there and also how it took me years to end up going to Louder Arts. Mm. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so here I was, um, brave and single, going to go check out this Barry Poetry Club. Wow. And I went down and I was like, this is the craziest shit show I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't go back wow. for like six months. Wow. I was like... I really don't know if this is What did me. you see the first night? Yeah. It was, it wasn't, I might have been, do you remember Reverend Jen? It might have been her show. Yeah. It was It was this really, really eclectic mix of people in a very hodgepodge, um, no real time limit on your open mic. Just which really, is a problem. Yeah. Right off the bat, problem. which is a problem. It's a problem. Not everyone So it wasn't the Urbana Poetry Slam. That was not my first time at the Barry Poetry Club. No. Okay. But when I was there, I picked up one of the little flyers, ended up going back to see the slam. I thought the slam was, I was like, back, way back machine. When I was in college, slam was starting. And people in, I'm from Denver, and people in Denver were doing the slam at the Mercury. It had just started up, and everyone was like, you really, in my poetry classes, we'd mm-hmm. read and share, and they were like, man, you'd really be good at the slam thing. You really should do slam. And I was so indignant and terrified at the same time. I was like, I'm not competing with my art. Mm. I already have a hard enough time building it in the first place. Is this pre, like, Suzy Q and Oh, yeah. Ken this Archon is, this is when the National Poetry Slam was 14. And, and Patricia yeah. Smith won the first time. Like, it, this is the way, way, right. way back. Wow. Um, and I was like, nope, not going to do it. A, too terrified. B, I, the idea of mixing art and sports... It was a thing I couldn't stomach. And so then, so that was my, that's what I thought about Slam. So flash forward, hearing that all of these amazing people, these amazing readers with these amazing poems, Mm. were all playing that game that I said I would never play. And Mm. I was like, shit. (laughs) I'm going to really reassess my life. (laughs) Was Shappy hosting back then? Huh? Was it Shappy who was the host? No, this wasn't Kristen was the host. All right. Mm. Yeah, because um, Shappy was intimidating to me when I went and he was the host because he would change everybody's names. Mm. Shappy, yeah. You would sign you up on, for the a, slam yeah. and he would call you. Like, I would be like, my name is John Sands. It would be there on the slam list, but he'd be calling you up, you know, and there would be a packed audience and there'd be judges and they would be trusting him to be the host. And he would say, next up. Give it up for Gentle John. (laughs) Everybody would clap. And you'd get on stage with them, like the whole audience thinking that you had signed up as Gentle John. Uh, So (laughs) Dang. I'd be very upset. Yeah. Yeah, Shappy was a tremendous host, but did not take Slam seriously. Hmm. 
and I don't know that he ever did, even when he was competing. Mm. Um, he, but he's a brilliant, brilliant uh, orator. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Shout out he's to Shappy. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. But if you took Slam seriously, don't go to Shappy's show because <laughs> he's going to make it. He's going to make the audience love every minute of it mm. and not necessarily the slammer. The mm. slammer's going to be like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what was the one he did? What's happening? For Ian, he did Ian the Human Being. Ian the Aww. Human Being. Ian yeah, he would just sign up as Ian Caden. He's like, great writer, sign up. It'd be Ian <laughs> the Human Being. And you'd have to get on stage and be like, Yo, and that's not my stage name. <laughs> I didn't make that name. He made that name. I'm also that's not so who I critical. Am. I'm so critical of people's, and I should be less judgmental and shady in my head. It's only in my head, but like of people when they have their like stage performance poetry name, you know, yep. and it, it'll always be something like big god person or like most intelligent on high and all, all this. I get so rude in my head about that so if someone did that to me I'd be like totally mortified yeah like man my whole ethos being tampered also with here. big god person is listening shout out to you yeah no offense, <laughs> no offense. I didn't know you existed you do you. you do you and you should totally come to poetry gods which like yeah. Yeah, I think you would Four gods in a room, you know. It's how we how hey, we live. Probably be pretty yeah. dope. So maybe, uh, so we've talked about you. Maybe one more question. Yeah, yeah. we've talked about you on past a uh, past podcast, specifically as it related to the ways in which people end their poems, uh, and the way in which they talk. And you have uh, you pause better than anybody in the game. There's no one who can <laughs> hold a pause true, yeah. longer than you. And I'm curious, I'm trying to think of an example right now. I mean, there's so many. My favorite is, and I mentioned this the other podcast, was just, um, and the pause comes after, just, he is. And you kind of hold it, and then you walk away. Mm. Like, it's the sustain. Like, the poem is done. I'm not done. Right. Okay, now I'm done. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How does communion end? What's the last line? That's a way back machine. Um... Oh, a thin soft melts on a choir boy's tongue. Yeah, but when you perform it, it's like a thin soft melt Melts. on a choir boy's tongue. I'm so you get to hold it, stare, and I'm curious if you so, cultivated that muscle. Um, I absolutely cultivated it. I was um, coached into it. I had the same thing that everyone has of. You got three minutes, one, so you're trying to speed through. If you if you write long poems, you're trying to speed through. Also, it is intimidating to hold silence. Mm. They may think it's over. It's not over yet. Mm-hmm. I need you like don't hold too long because then you know, like it's an intimidating thing to do to hold a room, hold all that attention with silence. It is yeah. a very scary thing to do. And so most of us don't even wanna breathe. We're just just keep talking, talk, 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 just get all the words out, you know. Um, and I definitely did that in the early on days of, um, slamming. And then I worked a lot with, and I will argue your point. I very much appreciate you saying I've got the best pause in the game, but Rachel McKibbins. Oh, Two great pauses. Uh, very hard to, big honestly, pause. hard to choose. Two great pauses. <laughs> Shout out to Rachel McKibben. She, she would get okay. on me as she coached me in 2008. and uh, That magical year. It is that magical year. <laughs> and, um, and she 
there were a lot of conversations that came up through through the process of that summer and two things that stuck with me a hundred percent one is authenticity hmm. don't bring anyone else Jean-Anne don't put on a mask just bring Jean-Anne yeah the Jean-Anne who wrote this poem is the Jean-Anne who has to be interacting with the audience mm. and slow down hmm. get comfortable you wrote that you put that line break there hmm. why isn't that line break on stage like that's you meant it you built it this way if you didn't mean it then we can we have to change this right. but you built it here you meant it you got to put it up there hmm. great coach amazing the ever. best yeah that i've ever yeah ever ever me too i've never had mo brown as a coach i mean Word. she's like she's like yeah. touted as you know i believe it too yeah, I've she, those it. are two incredible coaches, but yeah, Not everybody should have Rachel or Mo at some point in time as a slam coach if you're lucky. True. You know, Could she you got me to stop. Uh, I remember my first year, I was on the the ladder arts team and was in like a park with Rachel, and I had a line in my you know poem about the USA. <laughs> you know, it was like something about USA, but leaves us with a. And already that's a hard <laughs> turn. But not only was that the line, but I like used my hands to spell like us no. with A. And you can't see me on the podcast, but I'm like spelling us yeah, with my yeah. hands and then A. And I remember just being in a park and Rachel being like, well, I was like, well, I got here. You know, like I made the team. So it has to be dope. Uh And she was like, "Uh, you really made the team in spite of that uh, hand gesture that you're trying to do. (laughs) Like you don't need to spell out USA with your hands to try to like communicate what's happening. We all all know know what USA is. Yeah. We're good. More or less. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's that's yeah. real love, though. Like saying, it is. like being able to admit, I like, wouldn't, yeah, yeah, that's gorgeous. That's great. I mean, it's like we all spelled USA out with our hands, right, everybody? You know, what I, mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not saying that. We have like wrong. a cricket's drop. John Sands was giving me advice, and he was just like, just say, Am I right a lot? Yeah, at the end of every it was on a, He was asking for advice on an interview, yeah. like a job interview. Or uh, not yeah. a job interview, some kind of interview. life interview. Yeah, a life interview. I was like, dude, just say, Am I right as many times as you can. I mean, am I right? <laughs> I mean, am I right? You know, ladies, am I right? <laughs> I that they're you know in hey, your ladies am I right am I right ladies at all again it's your goal do you want a story to tell about it later or do you want to get in right yeah. big difference hey that's valid. a question that's that a yeah, you got a teammate on dating advice right now Just, I mean you two I'm awesome. honored am I right I'm, am I right? Don't say, <laughs> don't say ladies, am I right? Ladies, yeah, rule number, number four. And then follow up with a disgusting ladies, grin. Ladies, am I right? right. <laughs> the grin. And your ladies, am I right? And then, and am then I you, right? you get an overwhelming no. No, bro. It'll be, it'll be great. If no. you want the answer to be no, ask ladies, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, no. uh, about a 95% chance that they will say no. Uh, most true. likely just be silence. You know? <laughs> just a lot of like the sound mean footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs>
Am I right? <laughs> that's terrible. Oh yeah, that's pretty bad. Wow. Yo, um, well, Jeannie, would you love like to share a poem with us? I would. I'd love to. We'd love thank to you. hear yeah, it. We... Yo, thank you for being here yes, tonight. Thank you, thank you so guys. much. So this was so good. Like, fun. A hey. true pleasure, man. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, well, where where can the folks find you in the world? I am uh, I am at G Virgie. Let me get the website right. Jananverlee.com. Mm. And from there, you can find me in all my other my other spaces. Um, Twitter, Facebook, etc. My Instagram is private. Please don't add me because I'll turn you down. Work. It's Baby. really just pictures sorry, of y'all. my dog. And you, you don't get to see those. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're good, though. They're good pictures of the dog. The I dog also, looks good. The dog is very good. I'm sorry really you don't get to dog. see that. Can't even share the name right now. But I great get to dog. see that because I'm mean, special. What I love is that between Jean and her niece, both of the mentions of Instagram, they're like, it's mostly my dog. And, oh, yeah. and in both cases, I mean, Hanif's dog, great dog. Very I mean? great dog. I think it's a wonderful dog. Hey, I love platform. dogs. Yeah. I too love dogs. I have a dog. Dogs She's the, the meanest dog in the world. I have world. two dogs. I admire her very much. Her story, <laughs> you know, just don't take no dogs. shit. They're both chihuahuas. <laughs> no, you do not. I do. I have two what dogs. What are their names? Chihuahuas. Damn, I think I drank too much rum to Good remember night. the names. <laughs> oh, I don't remember the names. One is named. No, don't you don't remember. have two names. I don't remember. Yo, I have pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. I post a picture Good of the night. dogs. Let's, let's do this gorgeous poem. By yeah. <laughs> Put your hands together Put for Gina and Berlue. Owed to my mother's backhand. I loved, as a girl, to help paint your nails, their perfect almond curve. Longed for the same smooth knuckles, mimicked the ritual of cream. I cannot forget the heavy honeyed scent you left behind. My elbows, shoulders, the oily film remaining after grab and shove. Effortless, effortlessly softening the cruelty of any mood. Oh, dainty left, clattering with hand-me-down gold. How I coveted your pitch, your reel, the sharp bite of your angles. Sensuous fingering of a rock's glass, a cigarette. Studied you, wrist deep in the raw mash of meat, egg, ketchup, watered bread. The whole hand crush of canned tomatoes, Petite fork whisk of powdered sugar into milk. Eucalyptus rub on my congested chest. Your gentle swipe of tears. The intricate fold and nodding of braids. How, I'm sure, some part of me remembers your lift of breast to my infant mouth. Calm stroke of my hairless scalp. The bath, the swaddling after. Such precision. Even in beer-battered rage to spin my jaw in whichever direction called. The hot red blossoms you lured to my cheeks, shrill crash of a vase knocked from its shelf, bowl of cereal struck from my hands, the blood tooth launched skyward. Oh, commander of attention, how I'd seize at your slow rise from across a room, such power, a noiseless siren wailing, 
I will come for you, child. Mm. Dang. Yo. Yo, give it up one time for Gina and Verlee. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for building this. Oh, this working is beautiful. On it. No, we're working on it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, right. Lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, yes. <laughs> Inarticulate me, the song, right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. You, yes. You. Inarticulate me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm home. Right. That, that could be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not pin that later. It'll be, it'll be after Jeanette. It'll Boy. be. <laughs> there we go. Just what happened. Yeah. All right. Take us out. Right. Well. That's the Poetry Gods, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Jean and Verlee. We'll catch you next time. Peace. All right. People see me, but they just, just don't, don't know. know. That's what I told you, Cutter. People see me, but they just don't know. What? People see me, but they just don't know. <laughs> so people, yeah. People, yeah. People, yeah. Let's go. People,